that, we'll go ahead and enter into a time of prayer. So I'm covered for Alan today. So again, um, hope you're feeling better, Alan, and we're going to keep, be keeping you in prayer this week. And, um, and I'm going to go ahead and enter into a prayer at this time. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you so much for your rest. Let's ask that your words speak at this time, uh, that you bless your people with your words, um, and that you lead the Holy Spirit in leading us, Father, to know you more every day, Father. I thank you, God, for that. And in Yeshua's name, amen. And amen. All right. So this, I was going to change it up a little bit. I'm going back to the Torah portions. I'm going to continue the Master's Commandments uh, at a later time. Just want to do a little more research and a little more digging. But at this time, uh, we're going to talk about Toledot. So we're talking about obedience, faith, and the heels of Messiah. So you'll notice that Jacob is mentioned several times. So Jacob's actually mentioned several times, and a lot of times he's not giving the proper credit that he's due. A lot of people, um, particularly in the mainstream Christian world, will say, well, that means supplanter, you know, or heel grabber, you know, uh, because it's related to the word, and we'll get into that later, to the word ankle. But as I mentioned several months ago, also from the Jewish perspective, um, that actually means that God is your rear guard. Jacob means Yaakov, also can mean God is your rear guard that he is behind you, he is, he is with you. We kind of saw that actually, it was interesting in the, in the tour portion, uh, the uh, half tour this week, so that was kind of interesting that that was connected. But, in, but moving forward though, Toledot, the Lord appeared to Isaac just as he appeared to Abraham. So you'll notice uh, in Genesis 26, 3. So this is directly from the portion this week. And this is the complete Jewish Bible translation I'll be using for, uh, for today. It says, stay in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, because I will give all these lands to you and your descendants. I will fulfill the oath which I swore to Abraham, Abraham, your father. So he restated the promise to multiply his descendants and to give them the land and to bless all the nations through them. So one thing is, you'll notice that the promises went to Isaac at that time. So the promises didn't go to Ishmael. Even though genetically he was his father, and he still said he would bless them, but the covenantal promises went to Isaac. So at this time also, Genesis 26, 5, I'll draw your attention to. It says, all this is because Abraham, or Abraham heeded what I said and did what I told him to do. So that's God saying, acknowledging he was faithful to me. He did what I told him to do. He followed my mitzvot. He followed my commandments, my regulations, and my teachings. So, end quote. Isaac was inheriting the Abrahamic blessing because Abraham had merited God's favor. How did Abraham keep God's charge, commandments, statutes, and laws? So this is a discussion we've had a few times, actually. It's like, how did Abraham know what God commanded him to do? Uh, Sinai is not for quite some time. There's, there's, a hundreds, there's hundreds of years to end the gap here. So that's a very good question. Did Abraham know all the laws of the Torah that were given through Moses at Mount Sinai? If not, how could he have kept them, perhaps? So that's a good question. A lot of people speculate this. They're like, well, how is this? So Rashi was one of the Jewish sages that lived in the, in the Middle Ages. He commentated on this, and he claimed that this means Abraham kept the entire Torah and also the oral traditional laws of Judaism. That seems a, like a stretch, though. But what does the Bible really mean? What does the scriptures really say about this? 
What laws did Abraham keep? So there's lots of speculation on this, of course. Some say that Abraham knew the laws of God because he had, they had been handed down to him through the line of Noah. Because remember, he was an Ish Sadiq, so a righteous man we saw in the scriptures earlier. Noah was. Other sources imagine that perhaps he had a book written by Enoch that contained the laws that were given at Sinai, or that would be given at Sinai. Still others say that God communicated all these laws to him in advance of giving the Torah at Sinai. Another opinion is kept that all the laws he knew, he kept all the laws that he did know, such as the basic laws of morality, stipulations that God had revealed, like circumcision. That's the one that was revealed. And I know a lot of times, too, it's like the thing that actually makes the most sense is the Holy Spirit of God was upon him in his midst. He, was, he had a relationship with God. He knew God intimately. Because if you'll read also in the scriptures, too, that he was a friend of God you know, uh, himself. He had a covenant with God, with Hashem. And we just read Genesis 26, 3 and, and, and 5. He restated the promise to multiply his descendants because he merited God's favor. So whatever the case might have been, it is important to note that Abraham's righteousness is not a matter of faith without obedience. So this is where people get in trouble a lot of times. They both go together. You have to have faith and you obey that. You know, the interesting thing about that is you can't have one without the other. Because like for a parent, a parent is a really good example. A relationship between a, a child and their parent is a really, really good example we can relate to physically. It's like my dad's actually here running the sound. I'm going to put him on the spot for a minute, if you will. Bear with me. But, the, but you know, the neat thing is, if I trust him, I'm going to listen to what he says. That's what Abraham did. He trusted Hashem, our Father in heaven. And he did what he told him to do. He left his home. Could you imagine leaving your home, completely leaving it? Just, just like, okay, well, God's telling me to do this. I'm going to do it. Let's go. You have security. You have maybe a really good job. You have everything lined up the way you want it to be. You feel secure in your, in your safe spot. And then having enough faith to listen to God and say, well, I actually want you to go here. Oh, and now I want you to go here. Would we be willing to do that? That's a lot of faith. If you really think about it in the, in the here and now. That's just one aspect of his faith. But he listened to him because he trusted our Father in heaven. So anyone who teaches that observing God's laws is contrary to a life of faith should consider this verse. I'm going to read something from the New Covenant. So Also, uh, the Galatians is also a really good book. It's a really good book that um, Boaz Michael actually had a commentary on as well, um, in addition to. The Bible says that God passed the blessings and the promises to Isaac because Abraham obeyed God's commandments, his laws. This is in keeping with what the Apostle Paul teaches when he wrote Galatians 3.21. So I'm actually going to read the, that, that whole verse to you. And you have to read it few, a few times. I, I know I had to, to be honest with you. So quoting Galatians 3.21. So this is the complete Jewish Bible. Does this mean that the legal part of the Torah stands in opposition to God's promises? Heaven forbid. For if the legal part of the Torah which God gave had had in itself the power to give life, then righteousness really would have come by legalistic following of such a Torah. So in other words, do you believe it? Or are you just going to legalistically check a box saying, well, I have to do this, I have to do that. 
Or, you, or, or instead, are you just saying, well, God knows what is best for me. I'm just going gonna, gonna to choose to follow what he said. Not to check a box or, or to go, oh, no, I forgot to do this. Oh, shoot, and beat yourself up. Or That's what grace and favor is. That's, that's what we do have in the new covenant, too. We have that favor, that, that chesed. We have that grace from Hashem through Yeshua where we can get up. We don't have to stay down. We can get up and continue moving. So does this mean also, uh, we also uh, look at James, the brother of Yeshua. He shows the life of faith results in obedience to God's laws. So his expectations, his laws, his instructions. So James 2.22 says, you see that, that has faith worked with his actions. By the actions, the faith was made complete. You see that faith was working with its, with its works. With it, um, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Keeping God's commandments is an important part of practicing the faith of Abraham. So interesting, too, I'm going to draw your attention real quick, too, to the Gospel of John 8, 39. They answered him, Our father is Abraham, Yeshua replied. If you are children of Abraham, then do the things Abraham did. So you can't just say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Jewish person. I'm okay. I don't need Yeshua. I've got Abraham. You can't say that because you have to do what Abraham did. And furthermore, you have to know who Yeshua is. But you have to do. You can't just say, well, yeah, yeah, I do Passover sometimes or spend the dreidel. It's fun. You know, we eat latkes on Hanukkah and stuff, you know. But if that's all that you identify with, then you're not doing the things that Hashem wants us to do. He wants us to live a life of holiness. All of us, a life of holiness. So I'm actually going to uh, teach you some Hebrew. So since I couldn't do a Hebrew class, uh, since I'm working second shifts, it's a little harder, but I wanted to draw your attention to the screen here for you. So Yaakov, Jacob, Yaakov. So is the name Jacob. But also it's interesting, like we were mentioning earlier, that is very related to the word ankle. Next slide, Akev. So it uses the same letters. There's three letters at the end. That's the wordplay behind the verse that says, afterwards, his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So that's Jacob holding on to Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. So that was from Genesis 25, 26. From a messianic perspective, the name also hints back to the warning in Genesis 3, 15. So going back a few weeks here. When the Lord said that the seed of the serpent will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. So the seed of the woman can be understood as the prophetic title of Messiah. And you may, may have heard of that before. So that means a person, a man, the seed of the woman, which we know is the man, Yeshua, the Messiah. The Bible also mentions, now this is really interesting, the heels of Messiah. It's actually in Psalms. It's Psalms 89, 52. If you have a Jewish translation, it's verse 51. If you have an English translation, or uh, like an ESV or a King James if you will. It says, your enemies, Adonai, have flung their taunts, flung them in the footsteps of the anointed one. Now, depending on what translation you're reading, anointed one, Mashiach, you know, Messiah, anointed one. That's what that means. And this is David talking about himself, actually, in this particular case. But actually, the rabbis have an interesting thing, uh, an interesting insight on this. And I'm going to also further draw your attention to that word used in that verse. In, in Psalm 89, I'll have that on the screen if you would. 
So footsteps, so you'll notice the first three letters there from the right to the left are the same. So, and, and actually, the root word of that is akev, if you look in the Strong's Concordance. So, ikevot, footsteps. Interesting. So that verse renders that, your enemies, Adonai, have flung their taunts, flung them in the footsteps of your anointed one. The rabbis understood this reference to the heels of Messiah. Interesting. Symbolically, to indicate the final generation that will see the coming of Messiah. So rabbinic sources refer to the generation of the final redemption as the heels of Messiah. Or, to translate it another way, the footsteps of the Messiah. When things seem darkest, we should listen for the footsteps of the Messiah. So just like David wrote in many Psalms, you know, many are they who rise up against me, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. You are are my glory and the lifter of my head, right? He always, he, he he will go sometimes in the Psalms, you'll see like a lament, but then you always see him come back with, well, God, it gets the glory. He's the one that has all the glory and it always comes back to him. So actually, and this is also interesting, that Matthew 24 and a, a text written from the Mishnah, um, actually, traditional rabbinic sources are actually in agreement with Yeshua uh, in Matthew 24 on this. But I'm going to read f- from you a section from Sota 9.15. So this is from the Mishnah. So that it's actually a predictive text of what they, what they saw from Scripture and what they had concluded from that. And it says, With the footsteps of Messiah... Impertinence increases and famine increases. So when the Messiah is coming, when you hear the footsteps of Messiah, impertinence increases and famine increases. The vine gives its fruit and wine is expensive. The government turns to heresy and there is no reproof. So no repentance, no, no going back. The house of assembly will be for prostitutes. The Galilee will be laid waste and the Golan made desolate. The border inhabitants will go from town to town receiving no hospitality and no one will take pity on them the wisdom of the of the scribes will sour and those who fear sin will be rejected truth will be sealed away children will shame elders and elders will rise before children meaning rise in respect that is so it's backwards as it says in Malachi 7:6 quoting for son treats father contemptuously, daughter rises up against her mother and mother-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. The face of the last generation will be like the face of a dog. A son will not feel any shame before his father. Upon whom shall we depend? They concluded the last sentence, upon our father in heaven. End quote. Now that sounds very similar to what Yeshua predicted. Now we can trust the words of Yeshua intimately. I just think it's interesting that from previous scriptures there was an agreement there. Yeshua predicted a time of calamity before the coming of the Son of Man. So there's lawlessness expressed. If you read, I encourage you to read all of Matthew 24, not just parts of it. But there was a time of lawlessness coming, destruction and that's mentioned if you read Matthew 24. In conclusion, this was the case with Jacob and Esau. So there was a lot of tumultuous chaos. A lot of people viewed 
Jacob is a, is a trickster, but actually he was a wrestler. He didn't want to be left out of the blessing. A lot, it's interesting to see, too, the blessing of the firstborn goes to the firstborn. But it's interesting. That didn't happen with Isaac. He was the secondborn, and Jacob was the secondborn, technically. But Jacob wanted that blessing. You notice, remember, he wrestled with the man, the angel. And he said, I'm not going to leave until you bless me. He wanted to pursue God. Esau did not want to pursue God. He was curious about, or he only wanted to be sustained with food. The temporal, the temporary, the things that are just fleeting, that are here one day and gone the next, but something that lasts generations, like the promise that we have with our Father in heaven through Yeshua. It's forever. It doesn't just disappear. Would you trade that in for something to be fed just for a day? Or would you like to eat the bread of, of life, the bread from heaven, and eat and never be hungry? So that's also, no pun intended, food for thought. <laughs> you know, so it's interesting. There was also the same chaos in Jacob's life, his struggle with Esau, and his many travails allude to the difficult days of trial and tribulation that will come upon us and that are here, unfortunately. But there is great hope, just like with David's Psalms, upon the people of Israel, before the coming of Messiah, even the meaning of Jacob's name hints towards that interpretation, that the prophet Jeremiah spoke on the coming judgment of his people and the name of Jacob's troubles. So Jeremiah, last scripture for you, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. How dreadful that day will be. There has never been one like it, a time of trouble for Yaakov, for Jacob, for Israel. But out of it, he will be saved. End quote. Although the seed of the serpent may bruise the heel of the Messiah, as we saw back in Genesis 3, the Messiah will crush the serpent's head beneath his heel. So God truly is our rear guard and the rear God for the promise of Jacob. Isn't that amazing that that word also can mean that? That the footsteps of Messiah are behind the calamity that is in our midst now. Don't forget that he is following behind the calamity. And with that, thank you so much for your time and Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, guys. And as we conclude today, uh, we're not going to be um, concluding with the uh, traditional uh, Leinu at this time, uh, but we are going to have Zikron today. So Zikron is where we gather to remember the Messiah together. So we also sit together. Uh, We also break bread, literally, and also have, have the blessing of the wine grape juice, the kiddush, the partial kiddush, and also the uh, motzi, and then um, also brief remembrance meal for Messiah, so zikron, we call it, remembrance meal of Messiah. So we do this once a month to remember our Messiah, what he did for us until Passover, but we do it every month, closest to the Rosh Kodesh. So instead of concluding with the Elenu, I'm going to ask everyone to please stand uh, as we end this time with a time of prayer. And we'll conclude with the priestly blessing, the Aaronic benediction. Yivarecha Adonai vayishmarecha, Yaher Adonai panavelecha vichunecha, Yisa Adonai panavelecha, Veyasem lecha, Shalom. 
And that means may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of our Messiah, the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, who is Yeshua the Messiah, we can all say amen and amen. And Father, as we get ready to break bread with one another before we eat in fellowship, and I just ask that you bless each and every person that is standing here, Father, those that are standing and are in your midst at home, Father, in their homes worshiping you, Father, that you bless us all with your peace, that you send soon your Messiah back to us, Father, that you restore this world, Father God, and that you bless everyone with your peace, even at this very moment, Father, in the midst of turmoil in our world, Father. We are not afraid, Father. And I ask, Father God, that that fearlessness, that, that power that comes from you, the compassion that you have, Father, be placed upon all of your people as we start this week anew, Father. I ask, Father God, that you bless us on the roads and keep us safe and help us at our jobs, Father God. Bless us in all of the doings of our week, Father. And all these things I pray to you and, and bless you. We bless your name, Father, together. In Yeshua's name, amen.